1: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
0: My guest is Julie Ryan, inventor, entrepreneur, podcaster, and author who learned how to be a psychic and medical intuitive more than 25 years ago. After inventing globally used medical devices and founding nine companies across five industries, she settled into her talents as a psychic and a medical intuitive and going on to write books. Julie, thank you for joining me today and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. What a delight to be with you.
0: Now, Julie, you said that you learned how to be a psychic. How did you learn how to do that?
1: I took classes for six years. Oh, I paid wow. the equivalent of probably what you paid to learn how to be a doctor. Wow. I, I could have spent the same amount of money on, uh, you know, graduate school or getting a PhD or, a, or an mm-hmm. MD or a DC like you. And so I learned how to do this. And now I teach people all over the world how to do it in a much more condensed way because the curriculum that I learned was about now is about 40 years old and and so I've streamlined it and I teach people all over the world from all backgrounds and all professions in four Saturdays I do it quarterly and then I have online training too that people can take
0: well, you were already super successful as a businesswoman. Was the psychic stuff just something a uh, uh, like a passion and, an, and a hobby of yours that you just wanted to explore?
1: Yes, absolutely. I had a friend over 30 years ago give me a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace, and she described herself as being a medical intuitive. And as you mentioned, I'm an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world, and I was in the hospital supply industry for 30 years as a manufacturer and inventor. And so I thought, what the heck's a medical intuitive? And I looked it up. And back then, Jeff, we didn't have the internet yet. Mm-hmm. So I did the old fashioned thing and I went to a bookstore and found a book called Hands of Light by a former NASA physicist named Barbara Brennan, mm-hmm. PhD. And she talked about utilizing quantum energy, quantum physics, basically, to help facilitate healing. And I read her book and I wanted to know more. So I called her school and I said, do you have anybody in my area teaching this stuff? And sure enough, they did. And for years, I studied it, like I said, six years. And my friends and family were saying, why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting. I don't know. And here I am almost 30 years later. And I not only use it every day, but I teach people how to do what I do.
0: Do you think people have natural inborn abilities already, and then you just add to that or not?
1: Absolutely. Everybody is born with the ability with, with psychic or intuitive ability, and it's just a matter of developing and then enhancing it. And an example of that is think about all of us have had some some situations in our lives where we've thought of somebody and all of a sudden they text us or they email us or they call us or we run into them and we say, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. I was just thinking of you and here you are in less than 24 hours. And no coincidence, that's your intuition happening. That's your intuition at play. Furthermore, many of us have had situations where we had a gut feeling about something and we did the opposite because it seemed more logical. And then we regretted not following our gut. That's all intuition. We all come in with the ability.
0: Do you teach how to follow your gut?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Not only that, but communicate with spirit turn it on and off. It will instantly communicate with any spirit, whether you knew them or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're attached to a body or not. If they're deceased that we can do that. If they're attached to a body, I talked to, to clients, family members who are dying, who are not able to communicate and, and family members with Alzheimer's and autistic children and, and, uh, people that are, Alive, and I talk to them telepathically. You know, you think about it, Jeff. The Aboriginal culture—they've been talking across vast distances, sometimes thousands of miles, telepathically for millennia. Other indigenous cultures have done the same thing. So we all have the ability. It's just a matter of realizing we do, and then developing and enhancing it.
0: You write about the twelve phases of transition. And I believe that's the phases of transitioning over to the other side when dying. Can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Nobody dies alone. We're coming out of COVID over the last few years. And that's the one thing that I find, and you may have as well, that people are so grief stricken because they weren't able to be with their loved one because either they were in a hospital perhaps or a nursing home and they didn't allow them to come in because of the whole COVID thing going on. So when somebody's dying, we all go through what I call the 12 phases of transition, where we're surrounded by angels and the spirits of deceased loved ones and deceased pets. And there's a configuration that I see unfold over time, where I can tell how close to death somebody is based on what phase of transition they're in. I can communicate with the person who's dying. I can communicate with the spirits that are in the room. And it it gives people such a sense of comfort because especially to my point earlier about people not being able to be with their loved ones during COVID, nobody dies alone. We're surrounded by angels and our deceased loved ones. And it's interesting to note too, Jeff, that Time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time is a human creation. So regardless of how somebody dies, if they die very quickly, like in a case of a homicide or a suicide, or they die over a prolonged period of time, everybody goes through what I call the 12 phases of transition.
0: You said that sometimes you communicate with angels. Are you communicating with them auditorily or do you see them or...
1: Yes, I see them and uh, in my mind's eye, it's like I have a big screen TV in my head. And when I see angels or spirits or when I'm scanning somebody medically who is attached to their body, you know, like if you wanted me to scan you because you had a shoulder that hurt, I would connect into you and it would be like I had a hologram of you. I'm like a human MRI. And that's how spirits appear to me is kind of like the old Casper, the friendly ghost. You know, TV, cartoons, where it was kind of a, an image that was a hologram of something. That's how spirits appear to me. And then I communicate with them telepathically. So I'll say something either or in my head, and then they'll answer, and it will come in, and it will feel like a thought in my head. And any, we all do this. We, we just aren't aware that we're doing it. And how you know it's spirit communicating with you, Jeff, is their answer comes in within a second or less. Sometimes they're answering us before our thought is even thought out all the way. And again, that goes into time doesn't exist in the spirit world. So they've already got our question or our comment and they're responding faster than the speed of light or sound or whatever. And so, yes. And the cool thing is our heads are like big satellite dishes and they receive and they transmit frequencies. Every spirit has a frequency they keep throughout all of their lifetimes. So in order to get in touch with them, all we have to do is think of them. And then we tune our satellite dish head to their frequency, kind of like we're tuning it to a radio station or Netflix or a TV show. And then we can communicate that opens the channel and we can communicate with them. And the really fun thing is you don't have to have known them in a in your lifetime. Certainly you can communicate with your dead grandmother, but who do you want to talk to? Elvis, Moses? you know, Napoleon, Mother Teresa, it doesn't matter. You just think of them and you immediately are connected with them. Kind of reminds me of the TV show, Bewitched. Do you mm-hmm. remember that yes. when we were growing up? Yep. Samantha Stevens would yell mother and then Dora would come in right away or mm-hmm. she'd yell Uncle Arthur and then, or Dr. Bombay and they'd come in right away. I I'd laugh but I say, whoever wrote that screenplay, knew woo woo, because
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: how it works.
0: Does everybody have an angel or a guardian angel?
1: Yes, they do. And the same guardian angel stays with them throughout all of their lifetimes.
0: All right. What about contact with archangels?
1: Yeah, same thing. You just think of them hmm. and they come in. The fun thing about angels though, Jeff, is that some early on when I was doing this, they would come in with these names who <laughs> would be... Names that I wouldn't even try to pronounce Mm -hmm. because they'd have 15 letters in them and they'd be all consonants. And I'd say, how am I supposed to pronounce that? Can you give me an English name that's easy to pronounce or a nickname? And so now they just give me a name there. I I had one recently where the angel's name was Melchizedek, who was a biblical Mm -hmm. figure. He was a king and a prophet, I think. And this angel's name was Melchizedek, but the angel will always tell me now, but they can call me Mel, <laughs> you know, for short, which is really fun. And I believe what's going on with these names that I don't have a frame of reference for them is they're either sometimes a dead language, Jeff, or they can be from another reality or another planet or who knows. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've I asked so many times, can you give me an English easy to pronounce that I can give to my client and, and they always oblige.
0: When you're scanning people medically and you find that they have a problem, let's say low back pain, do you not only pick up, okay, you have low back pain or they probably tell you that, but do you pick up things like, oh, I guess you have arthritis or a herniated disc or do you even go deeper and, and find things like, well, you have this persistent anger problem that's really exacerbating your low back pain?
1: Great question. Yes, I, the way that I work is again, I'll, I'll connect with somebody energetically anywhere in the in the world, or you could be on Mars or Jupiter. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll connect with you, and then and I always do it with permission. I never scan anybody without their permission. Like if you said, "Can you scan my wife?" Well, telepathically, I'm going to ask your wife's permission before I scan her because I believe that's unethical. For me to do that here in america we have laws on that they're called hipaa yeah. and so they're privacy laws with healthcare. you certainly know that from mm-hmm. when you were practicing and so what will happen is something will be identified like you've got a bulging disc low back left side and then immediately as soon as something's identified there will be some type of energetic healing that will begin And that could be in the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I watch procedures in my mind's eye, energetic healings all the time that emulate what I saw in the operating room for all those decades when I was in there developing products, testing prototypes, training surgeons, things like that. Sometimes I see healings that utilize methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. And regardless of what I'm seeing in my mind's eye, Jeff, I'm very descriptive with my client because if they can envision what I'm seeing, it helps integrate the healing into their body because the body's gonna follow what the brain tells it, even if the brain doesn't believe it to be true. To address your question about, is there an emotional component? The answer is yes, 100% of the time. And how we get to that is, When I am scanning somebody, there's the energy of the body. There's the energy of the spirit. The spirit's the everlasting part of us. I was raised Catholic, 12 years at Catholic schools. I was taught that the spirit is someplace in the chest area. That's not what I perceive. What I perceive is that the spirit is the main part of us and the body's inside the spirit. The spirit is the power source for the body, which is why when somebody dies and their body and their spirit separate, the body doesn't work anymore because it doesn't have a power source. Well, the body and the spirit energy is encased in what I call the energy field membrane. And that's a container that holds that energy. You know, any kind of energy that's being used for a specific purpose, whether it be electricity coming into our homes or water. The electricity comes in and is contained in wires. The water is contained in pipes. So the energy that makes up our body and our spirits contained in this energy field membrane. And that reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, the kind that you get on a tray of chicken breast from the grocery store. You know how that stuff's thinner and stretchier right. than the glad wrap, perhaps that's in our kitchen drawers in a box. When there's a tear or a hole. In that energy-filled membrane, it's allowing an energy leak. Energy leaks always precede any kind of medical condition, and they're caused by an emotional event, either in this life or a past life. So I'll go into that tear or hole, and I'll be given information. If it's a past life, I'll be given, here's where it was, here's when it was, here's a little bit about what happened, and we'll correlate that with what's going on in that person's current life. If it's something that happened in our current life, I'll be given, the year was 1974, you were 10 years old, you were running with a gang of little boys, and you guys were doing mischievous things like you were doing, you know, ring and run. You were ringing somebody's doorbell and then running away, and you were worried about getting in trouble. Could be something benign, could be something dramatic. Doesn't matter. As Soon as we illuminate that that caused an energy block, it eradicates it. It allows the energy field membrane to heal, which allows the body to work on full power and helps the body heal and maintain health. May I give an example sure. of just a visual on this? Yeah. Imagine going to the pet store and buying a goldfish. They're going to put it in a plastic bag of water in order to, for you to get it home. Well, if you have a picture of that in your mind's eye, the goldfish represents our body, the water represents our spirit, because again, the body's inside the spirit, and the plastic bag represents our energy field membrane. If there's a pinhole in that plastic bag and water starts draining out of it a drop at a time, for a long time, that fish is going to be just fine. However, when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. And that's what happens to the human body. So we fix that membrane, we fix that plastic bag, and the fish can survive and thrive. Same thing with the human body.
0: Now, fixing that membrane, is that done by just something energetic or do you have to get to the root cause of their emotional problem?
1: The root cause is where the energy block began. So as I mentioned, it could be something that happened in this life. It could be something that happened in a past life. As soon as we illuminate it, it eradicates it. The energy field membrane heals. I've never, I've done this with tens of thousands of clients over the years. And I've never seen an energy field membrane rupture again once it's fixed. I believe it's the most important part of healing because we can fix body parts all day long. But if you're leaking power, what's the point? You're going to have more things happen. So I find too, that it's really interesting that it's usually something that's fairly simplistic. And a lot of the time it's things that people don't remember at that time, but perhaps they'll remember it later when they're driving down the street or folding laundry or cooking dinner or something like that. My most my most dramatic uh situation that I found was with a client who lives in the UK on the Isle of Guernsey. And she I, she had a big hole in her energy-filled membrane. And I went in and I had this vision of her as a preteen and there was an explosion behind her. And I said, does that mean anything to you? And she said, yeah, I was a victim of an IRA bombing when I was 12. Oh, wow. And I said, okay, That counts. And so once we, you know, that's an energy block. Energy blocks when they form, Jeff, look to me like a little kernel of unpopped popcorn. And the emotional energy starts that energy block. And then other life events pile, 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 pile on top of that, eventually causing enough pressure causes a blowout in that membrane. And you think about it, what I see of the spirit is it's our energy field, right? It's our aura. It's our halo. Every old master's painting of a saint or Jesus or Buddha or somebody that's holy, they're all surrounded by a halo. We all have it. In the hospital, in the medical business, what do we do? We test EEGs. We're testing brainwaves outside of the body. We're testing EKG. We're testing the heart rate outside of the body. We're tapping into that energy field that everybody has.
0: We talk a lot about near-death experiences on this channel, and you have the 12 phases of transition. So I want to see if any of the things we talk about correlate within your 12 phases. For example, sometimes people will see a tunnel or travel through a tunnel. Is that one of your phases?
1: Absolutely. As I perceive it in the 12 phases, the body exits or the spirit exits through the top of the head. That's part of the tunnel that they go through, the ears, and the spirit hangs on to the top of the head in a, a bubble configuration. Kind of reminds me of a cartoon caption bubble where the words or thoughts of the cartoon character are. And then when the spirit and the body separate about phase nine, there's a phenomena that happens where there's a vortex that forms above the person who's dying's head. And I'll talk about how that forms here in a second. It's really amazing. And then the spirit exits and separates from the body going through that vortex. So that's, yes, that's very similar to what, nde ears to talk about.
0: Are you saying that they're already outside of their body in a spirit bubble? At that point, can they actually turn around and look at the body, like as if they're in the emergency room?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yes.
0: And then the once they go through the tunnel, though, then they're out in the galaxy or wherever.
1: Then they're going to heaven. And the, the thing that's so interesting about the how the vortex is formed, and the first time I saw this, Jeff, was with my own mother when she was dying in 2002. And she was a teacher and a principal. And that was the biggest lesson that she ever taught in her life was me, because now I've shared this with the world. And so she, about phase nine, and I didn't have phases then, I was just watching what was happening. When she was dying, there were two additional angels that showed up on either side of her spirit bubble, but halfway through, the 12 phases. Well, about phase nine, there's their wings started to move. And I thought, oh my goodness, am I having a hot flash? Am I hallucinating? Do I just need to sleep? Do I need to eat? What's going on? But I knew that there was going to be some big significance to these wings moving. And what happened was this slow rhythmic movement of these angels wings over time created this vortex that got stronger. Over the hours. And it reminded me of a giant owl. If you've ever seen a documentary on a giant owl, how their big broad wingspan and they move silently through the air almost like they're gliding. And it's it's just very slow and methodical. So when I was writing my book, I thought just for kicks, I was led to just look up on the internet owl wings vortex. Well, come to find out, there's this thing called the wingtip vortex, that anything that flies when they move their wings, whether it be a bird or a bug or a jet or a plane or a kite or whatever, there's a vortex that forms that causes lift. So what I learned was these movements of these angels' wings are causing this vortex to form, which is Causing lift, it feels to me like when you drive through a car wash and you stay in the car, and they turn the dryer on at the end, and it's sucking all the water up off your car. I could see it, I could feel it, I could hear it with my mother, and I've done it thousands of times since with other clients. And so that, if you Google wingtip vortex, there are hundreds of thousands of aeronautical drawings, aeronautical engineering articles. I love it when science catches up with woo-woo. Woo-woo's been around a whole lot longer than science. And again, this happens regardless of whether somebody dies instantly or or their death is, their dying process is very prolonged. I find also, Jeff, that people are really afraid of the dying process of what's going to happen when I'm dying. They kind of have a feel for what happens afterwards, depending on their frame of reference and how they were raised. But there's not much information out there about what happens when somebody's dying. So the 12 phases of transition really helps comfort a lot of people. They I get emails and, and notes all the time from families who've been comforted by this information.
0: I find that a lot of people who have a very traumatic near-death experience actually pop out of their body almost every time before they experience the pain, like as if they got ran over by a car, they actually were out of their body before they got hit. Is that immediate, you know, vacating the body part of your phases? And what phase would that be? Yeah, because
1: all 12 phases are happening. Remember, time doesn't exist in the spirit world. So it's not even a nanosecond for somebody to go through all 12 phases. Hmm. But I have found that to... the case too so i concur with with that comment with people with whom i've i've spoken in many many with near-death experiences where they weren't in any pain and and even more spirits communicating with spirits after they're deceased and they're in heaven they're in non-physical and uh and that's one thing that their family members are worried about did they suffer at the end did they suffer in that car accident did they suffer however they died. And, uh, and and when somebody's in the phases of transition, there are three questions I always ask. Are you ready to go? Are you in pain? What do you need? And I get a yes or no for the first one, a yes or no for the second one. The third one is just all across the board. And it can be, I need to see so-and-so. I need to have music played? Can somebody bring my prayer book and read out of it? Can, can my, one of my favorite ones is I was working with a family of a a gentleman in Athens, Greece, and he couldn't communicate and, you know, verbally. And he said, I need to see my sister. So I was on the phone with his wife and I said, he wants to see a sister. Can you have her come over? And she said, well, it's kind of tough because she lives in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, get her on the Zoom or on the FaceTime or whatever. And they did. And then he passed shortly thereafter. There's also uh, an exercise that I do with people who are afraid to die. And I call it the walk to heaven. And it's somewhat of a dress rehearsal. And I have a chapter about that in my book. And it's it's basically showing them what's going to happen when their spirit disconnects from their body. And I find that that's very helpful for people who are afraid to die. Usually after we do the walk to heaven, sometimes people need it more than once, but usually one, one time is enough to suffice. And then they'll, they'll go ahead and, and transition fairly quickly after that.
0: What about people who are left behind and who are grieving? What kind of advice do you give those people?
1: Well, I think that knowing that your loved one was surrounded by angels and the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets is very comforting for them. The other thing, I spoke recently at a conference called Helping Parents Heal, and there were over a thousand people there who had lost a child. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just going to be You know, one big bucket of tears the whole time I'm there. It was not that way at all, Jeff. It was very, the people were joyful. They were uh, leading productive lives. And the one common denominator was being able to talk to their deceased child, either through a medium or themselves. That's the number one thing that I find helps grieving people. Yesterday, I had a client. May I share this story? This was kind of fun. I had a client yesterday whose mom died a few months ago and, and my client said, we were really close. And she said, I'm more distraught about the fact that she hasn't given me any signs. She hasn't come to me. You know, she hasn't appeared in my dreams, nothing. And she, she goes, I'm really upset about that. And I don't understand it. So we got her mom on the line. Basically, again, we thought of her, I connected to her from her to her mom's spirit, mom was telling her all kinds of information about things that were going on in her life there's no way i could have known what was happening and they resonated with her and at the and at the end of our time together jeff the door in the room in which she was sitting opened on its own and she said nobody's here she said that's my mom giving me the sign i asked for and i said exactly so she sent me an email later in the day and she said I just can't tell you how this grief has lifted from me being able to communicate with my mom through you and also for my mom to give me that sign that she opened the door. She said nobody else was in the house and the door opened on its own. And and she said it was firmly shut. It's not like the wind blew it open. She said it was opened and then remained open when her mom's spirit walked through the room.
0: You mentioned pets. So do they come at our time of transition, too, to help us cross over?
1: They do. Every pet you've ever had in your life, their spirit will be there. And it's really fun because oftentimes I'll I'll be talking with a family whose loved one is dying and I'll say, was your grandmother, did she grow up on a farm? Because there's all these farm animals in the room. There's cows and pigs and chicks and ducks and dogs and whatever. They'll say, yeah, and then I'll describe the pets to them, and they'll say, okay, that was Bessie, her cow, or that was Charlie, her horse, or yes, and that gives the family a lot of comfort, too, and the person who's dying can see not only their deceased loved ones, but also those pets a lot of the time. Interestingly enough, there's university-based research that shows that 90% of people at the end of their lives see the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets as they're approaching death. And ask any hospice nurse or any, any medical provider, usually the nurses, the doctors don't hear this so much, but the the nurses who are taking care of the patients in the ICU or the CCU or the emergency room. And they'll say, okay, yeah, my patient was talking about seeing their deceased whomever. Or sometimes they'll reach up in the air. It's like they're getting ready to hug someone. They're seeing their loved one's spirits, or they'll stare kind of at a corner in the room They're seeing angels and their spirits. And when they talk about it, a lot of people say, well, my grandmother's hallucinating. She's seeing her mother and her mother's been dead for 60 years. Grandma's not hallucinating. Grandma's actually seeing that deceased loved one who's come to greet them, to welcome them to heaven.
0: Do you believe in reincarnation? And if so, why do we keep coming back over and over again?
1: Not only do I believe in it, I have lots of proof about it working with clients, you know, again, tens of thousands of clients over the years and, and we can do past lives. And those are some of the most fun things that I get to do because oftentimes we can corroborate the information that we get with historic documents that we can find online. And I always say, I can't make this stuff up. You know, I don't remember all the cities that were on the spice route back in the, 1400s where when you were in that lifetime, you were visiting and things like that. So yes, many, many, many instances, countless that I personally have experienced where we've gone and done a past life situation with somebody.
0: So why do you think we keep coming back over and over again?
1: Because it's fun. It's fun. Because it's fun. Spirit tells me that there's no right or wrong, no good or bad. From their perspective, everything is just an experience. And I'm not saying that heaven is boring, but in heaven, what I'm told, and again, heaven, whatever you want to call it, is is pure spirit, doesn't have the mass of the body. But what I hear from spirit is that when they think of something, when they're in non-physical, it immediately materializes. And they think it's fun to be able to create They think it's fun for the adventure. And why we come is to create. And if you think about it, we create all day long, every day. We create getting out of bed. We create what we're going to eat for breakfast. We create what we're going to wear. We create businesses and love lives and whatever. And then when we're done, we go back to heaven. And what do we do? We dream something else up that we want to come back and create. The interesting thing about past lives, however, is that I'll see a semblance of a script that will run through multiple lifetimes and what i'm told by spirit is that we all come in with things we want to explore we choose where we're born when we're born to whom we're born and the circumstances into which we're born so that our lives can have a basic trajectory that will allow us to experience and explore the things we want to and then i'll see a theme that will go on through multiple lifetimes like let's say your theme is you want to teach there are a bazillion ways for you to be a teacher in each lifetime again time doesn't exist in the spirit world so 100 lifetimes of 100 years apiece may not even be a blip on the radar screen in non-physical and so we explore things from a different perspective and the i talk in analogies a lot jeff because I think it gives our human minds our frame of reference for all this woo-woo stuff we're talking about. And what I like to use as an analogy for past lives and reincarnation is, think of Hamlet. How many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in 1602? Well, who knows? But certainly it was the same script, different perspective. When was it performed? What was the year? What was the time of that year? where where was it performed, what city, what country, in what language, by whom? who was the costumer, who was the set designer, who was the director, same script, different perspective. And that's how I perceive our lifetimes are. And we get to explore being a teacher. Maybe you're a teacher in a classroom in one lifetime, and maybe you're a teacher as a doctor in another lifetime. And maybe you're a teacher because you're online and you're teaching people different things. So there are, there are multitude of ways. There are a multitude of ways to explore something that is basically the same script.
0: I feel pretty sure that someone in the comments will say something like, well, my life is terrible and everything, you know, I'm having all these hard times. Why would I choose this? Or what, you know, why is this happening? What would you say to that?
1: Yeah, it's hard for us. It's hard for our human minds to try and <laughs> wrap our heads around that, and we we think there's no way I would choose this. But perhaps in a in a let's let's say you have some um, really awful disease. Let's say you're suffering with some with cancer or something in this lifetime. Well, perhaps you were the parent of, sibling of the spouse of the child of the doctor of somebody who had that situation in this round, you want to explore and experience what it's like to be the person who's dealing with that, because it gives you a different perspective. Each time we go through something in a different lifetime, our spirit, our soul, same thing expands. And we know more. It's kind of like the first time you buy a house you know, okay, well, this is really scary. I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to do this. I don't know if we're going to be able to close on time, blah, 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 Well, you go through it and you live in that house for a while and then you sell it and you're buying another house. You have an experience of doing that. So you've expanded your knowledge. You've expanded your frame of reference. It's not so scary. You know the drill. You know how it works. You are looking at it from a different perspective than you were when you bought your first home.
0: You have a book called Angel Messages for Dogs. What is that
1: about? I do. I have had so many moms, I had so many moms over the years say to me, can you please write a children's book to explain how does my child know my grandfather Because he says my grandfather's spirit comes to visit him in his bedroom at night. And my grandfather's been dead for 20 years, long before my child was ever born. And my child knows things about my grandfather that are accurate. How does that work? How do I explain to my child that they know information from past lives that we can corroborate with historic documents? This kid can't read yet. And he knows this information. And then lastly, how do I explain to my child when somebody dies? And we say, well, honey, grandpa's in heaven. And he says, well, no, he's not. He's in that box asleep sleep up there in the front of the room because they're at the visitation hours at the funeral home. So I came up with this series of children's books called Angel Messages. The fourth one is coming out at the end of this year, the end of 2022. And so what I do is I explain this in- in a format, actually, I've got one right here, and the and illustrations are darling, and so it helps them understand. Okay, there is spirit attached to a body. They're really colorful, and so is the dog. And the dog chooses you as the family to take care of it, and all of that. And you know, dogs grow up, and they are roll. They'll roll over for treats. They'll do tricks for treats, and things like that. So it's mainly a a children's book children's picture book that explains what's happening spiritually is snuck in there with oh look this dog is performing tricks for treats or this dog's chasing butterflies or things like that and oh by the way when your dog dies its spirit stays around you and you can communicate with it because what it does is it, it tells little children it's okay for you to have these intuitive abilities and it keeps them from shutting them down. Most children will shut down their intuitive abilities about the age of seven, Jeff, because they've had adults, parents, grandparents, teachers, even friends say, oh, that's just your imagination, that's not real. Or their friends will say, oh, you're just being weird. That's not real. And so we learn to shut it down. Whereas think of how that can help them in their lives if they can continue to communicate with spirit and have access to universal intelligence. So that's what the children's book series is about.
0: Do you think angels actually communicate with dogs?
1: Yeah, I think angels communicate with children. I think they communicate with people of all ages, and I think that they can communicate with with animals. Yeah. But I think they're more focused on the, the humans than the animals.
0: Do you ever practice what you do with medical intuitiveness on animals?
1: All the time. All the time. I have a call-in show on Thursday nights called Ask Julie Ryan. And uh, last night I had a gentleman call in about his Yorkie whose name's Annabelle. And Annabelle had an issue in her esophagus. So I scanned Anna, baby Annabelle, little Yorkie Annabelle, and then we did a healing on Annabelle. And I said, she wheezes a lot, doesn't she? And he said, yeah. He said, she just took a deep breath and said, normally when she takes deep breath, the wheezing starts and she's not wheezing. I said, "Well, Yeah. All the time.
0: Recently, I saw my dog just looking around the room and almost looked like it was following stuff. And I was wondering if you know she was seeing a spirit or something. Do you Absolutely. think pets do that?
1: All the time. All the time. You'll see dogs and cats in particular, and they'll move their head like from one side of the room to the other, and there's nobody there. Yeah, absolutely. And when I'm in a room with a pet that does that, our dog passed not too long ago. And so it she used to do that. And then I would turn on my radar to see who was in the room, what spirit was there.
0: Is the pet just watching them or do you think they're actually interacting with them?
1: Most of the time they're watching them. Sometimes they'll interact with them in that there was a a situation last Friday night and a, a client and a graduate of my class, her daughter died a year ago of cancer at a young age. I think she was maybe 31 or 32 So it was her birthday last Friday night and the mom, Marilyn, my friend, had a party and she had 20 of her best friends, 20 of the girls' best friends over. And so we brought Lexi, the daughter in, her spirit, and she talked to each one of the girls and told them specific things about what had been going on in their lives and how she'd been there with the person when they were going through it. And- on more than one occasion during that couple of hours we were together, there was a dog in the room and the dog kept looking up at an urn with Lexi's ashes in it that, were, that was up on a shelf. And the dog was not only looking up at Lexi's ashes, it was whining. Hmm. So yes, the answer is very much so.
0: To get back to the 12 phases of transition, is that kind of a new philosophy or something?
1: Well, it's new to me because again, I saw it for the first time when my mother was dying, and then I saw it with subsequent people with whom I was working with their families as they were dying. But no, it's ancient, Jeff. It when I was writing Angelic Attendance, I thought, where did this originate? You know, this this prayer that I heard at the end of every Roman Catholic funeral called in Paradisum. And, you know, being born and raised Catholic and practicing Catholic, I go to a lot of Catholic funerals and have in my day and they always do this prayer. They sing it or they say it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's what I saw. The angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise is what the prayer says. And I thought, that's what I saw. Oh, my goodness. So I researched it and I found that it originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant And so I have to believe that since the beginning of time, certainly people have been able to see in their mind's eye what I see with these 12 phases. And perhaps it took until the fifth century till someone was well-educated enough because, you know, everybody was illiterate. Most people were illiterate until fairly recently, past couple what, 150 years maybe? Mm -hmm. But maybe it took till the 5th century till somebody was learned enough that they could read and write. And certainly some of the most well-educated people were monks living in monasteries and synagogues. And so I believe that's where the Gregorian chant in Paradisum, which in Latin means into paradise. That's what I see when somebody's dying.
0: So is the 12th phase itself... Going to paradise.
1: Yes. Yes. Angels are escorting them to heaven. I was going to call the book Angelic Escorts. Mm. And my son who's 30 goes, Mom, it sounds like a dating service. Yeah. She can't use that as a name. And I said, All right, I won't. But but the other thing that's really cool about the 12 phases is there are graphics in the book about it. And also there's a chart on my website, ask Ryan.com, where anybody can go to it. You can download the chart put it on your phone, save it on your phone. And then all you have to do, if you have a loved one who is who is either dying or you think they might be dying, just say, what phase is my dad in? What phase is whoever in? You'll get a number and then you can refer to the chart. And what you'll find is when people are progressing through the phases fairly rapidly, you'll get a feel for, okay, we need to call in the family. Certainly people come in from, fast distances. Sometimes they take time off work. They're having to fly in, sometimes from out of the country. And, And it'll help you with that. Also, it's important to know that people can go back and forth in the phases, like they can be at phase seven and go back to two and be at nine and then come back to six. And there are times when people are in phase 11, they're ready to exit stage left And they decide they want to stay. And Mm. so they're not in the phases. A friend of my older brother's, my brother didn't believe in this woo-woo stuff early on. And he, one day, one evening, he called me and he said his friend, Tim, had had a stroke and he was in the operating room because they were removing a part of his skull because his brain was swelling. And he said, do your thing meaning you know scan him Mm -hmm. well this is my brother who doesn't believe this in this stuff at the time so i did and i didn't think tim would get out of the operating room i really you know he was in phase 11 the vortex was strong i thought this guy's not he's not gonna make it but tim's spirit told me to give a message to my brother jay for Jay to give to Tim's dad. They were partners and they were working on some big deal that was supposed to close the next day. And there was information that Tim wanted his dad to have. So I did, I conveyed that to my brother. My brother gave it to Tim's dad. And Tim's dad sat down ashen. Jay said all the color came out of his face. And he told Jay, he said, there's no way you would know about that. Jay goes, well, okay. So long story short, Tim not only recovered, it's been over 15 years and he's doing just fine. Hmm. So people can be in phase 11, ready to exit, and they decide that they want to stay.
0: Did he have an NDE?
1: Not to my knowledge. No, I asked him that uh, in subsequent phone calls and he said no. I asked Tim that and he said no. Have you ever had
0: a shared de- death experience where you've kind of almost crossed over with somebody?
1: I have on multiple occasions. And one in particular is my younger sister who died of a brain aneurysm. It was very sudden and very unexpected. And we buried her on her 50th birthday. It was just heart-wrenching. It was awful. But I could communicate with her telepathically. I got on a plane. We got the call. I got on a plane because she lived in another state. And when, she, when we took her off the ventilator, she, her spirit was hanging on and she didn't want to leave. And she said, I need you to come with me. So I separated my spirit from my body and I escorted her to heaven and dropped her off. And all the loved ones were there and they were all waiting for her. But it was, it was interesting because I've done that several other times with loved ones who are afraid to go and they want to be escorted and I do that I do that in dress rehearsal a lot as I mentioned in the the um, walk to heaven exercise that I do with clients and family members of clients
0: you mentioned that you are a buffet of psychicness what do you mean by that?
1: Well, once we connect with spirit, we can do anything that we want to with spirit. We have access to universal intelligence. And it seems to me that in the in the woo-woo community, you're either a medium or a psychic or a pet psychic or an NDE or a past life person. Well, you can do it all. And again, we all have the ability. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. And that's what I help people do with my classes. But it's interesting because... We can scan somebody energetically and facilitate energetic healings, which I believe is complementary to Eastern and Western medicine as we know it. It's part of the healing equation. We can talk to deceased loved ones. We can talk to loved ones still attached to their body, their spirits. We can do pet stuff, past life stuff, angel stuff, spirit guide stuff, how close to death somebody is. So that's what my buffet of psychicness is. And the fun thing about all of this, Jeff, is I get to see new things every day. And that appeals to my inventor and entrepreneur brain. Just today, I was working with a client this morning who's blind, and I watched a DNA healing happen. I I do DNA healings all the time with spirit working through me and with me. And I, I saw a double helix in a row of DNA that merged together And then I saw the nucleic acids that are represented by four letters A's, Ts, C's, and Gs. You know, go back to your grade school biology or high school biology lessons. And it and it was interesting. And I was saying to my client, oh, this is so cool. I've never seen this before. So I keep reaching higher and higher levels of these healings. And once they come in and I see them the first time, then I'll see them get integrated more often. So it's kind of like, my analogy i was saying before that first time you buy a house it's your first experience but then you know what to do and and so it's it's fascinating it's so much fun
0: in the beginning i mentioned that you are a podcaster what is the name of your podcast and what kind of content do you produce there
1: actually i have a syndicated radio show and we're going national uh, in another month. And so it is, and then what we do is we do live to tape and then we release it as a podcast and on YouTube and on, you know, all those channels, all the podcast channels and all of that. So it's called Ask Julie Ryan. We record it live on Thursday nights from uh 8 to 9 eastern and people call in from all over the world and they ask Julie Ryan they ask me to scan their dog they ask to talk to their deceased loved one they ask me to scan them medically they want to know how close to death somebody is it's whatever and so it's always a crapshoot because I never know who's going to call or what they're going to ask and it's different every week and it's very fast paced and we have a lot of fun and bring a lot of comfort to people. My tagline is, "I help people answer life's unanswerable questions." So uh, it's really fun. Are
0: all your social media channels called "Ask Julie Ryan"? Like yes. YouTube and
1: everything's Ask Julie Ryan, AskJulieRyan dot YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. It's all Ask Julie Ryan.
0: You've written many books. Do we find those on your website or Amazon?
1: Both. And as a gift to your listeners and watchers, your YouTube watchers today, anybody that wants a copy of my book, Angelic Attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next, or one of the children's books, Angel Messages for Kids, or I think this one's for dogs or for cats, I feel like I'm on a game show and I'm like a hostess, you know, showing you the prizes. Uh, just, just go on AskJulieRyan.com, go to the Ask Julie page and just send us a note and say, hey, I heard you on Jeff's show. I'd love a, a copy of your books and we'll send you a digital and an audiobook free download as a gift for listening today. Mm. You're welcome to buy the paperbacks, but if you want to, you know, if you want a digital or an audio book, um, we'll be happy to send that to you. So just go to askjulieryan.com, go on the Ask Julie button tab and just say, hey, I heard you on Jeff's show. I'd like a copy of your book. And if you have kids or grandkids and you'd like one of the children's books, we'll be happy to send that as well. There's They're not audio because they have like 15 sentences in them. It's about the pictures, mm-hmm. right?
0: Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about?
1: Yes, a couple of things. As I've alluded to, I teach this woo-woo stuff. And it's so much fun. It's just a blast. I have angelic attendant training that I teach live quarterly, and I limit it to 12 people. And you learn to do all the stuff that I do. And it's really just an amazing community. And then I have a self-paced online uh, training called Angels and Enlightenment Training. And that's how to communicate with spirit and how to how to tell how close to death somebody is. And we go over the 12 phases of transition. Both of those trainings, Jeff have multiple practice sessions a week that are live. And what I find with the training is if we read something or we hear something that's good, but we don't really integrate it until we do it. And so that's what the practice sessions are all about. And so there's this community that's formed of people that have gone through the training and have gone to the practice sessions. And it's, there's so much fun and it really ramps up your skills. So there's that. I just started a new thing called Ask Julie Ryan Live. The first uh, get together is going to be October 25th. It's going to be the fourth Tuesday of every month. And I say, it's going to be kind of like a Zoom slumber party. We're not going to sleep. But slumber parties, to those of us that are old enough to remember slumber parties, they were just so much fun. So what's going to happen is I'll do a little woo-woo lesson, maybe for five minutes, and then you can ask me anything, and I'm going to give away a free session, free one-hour session, and I'll probably give away a training or two, and you never know. So it's going to be kind of like the lotto, you know, I'll you got to be there in person, and I'll pick a name and then you can ask me whatever, if you want me to scan you or talk to a deceased loved one or whatever. And, um, and then I'll choose names for prizes and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be just a blast and it'll be a really fun two hours. So the fourth Tuesday of every month, and we'll, we'll, we'll put notices up on social media about that.
0: Julie, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
1: Sure. Everybody has the the ability to communicate with spirit, which gives us a lot of comfort to let us know our loved ones are in heaven and they're having a ball and the thing's great and they're around us all the time. Furthermore, it gives us the ability when we can communicate with spirit to have access to universal intelligence. So anything we want to know about is just accessible through our minds and we have access to it. That's how I As a girl with a communication degree, I'm an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world. How's that work? I didn't know woo-woo yet. I hadn't learned all this stuff. I was able to access that information, bring it in and bring it into products that have been in most cases used around the world for some of them for 30 years and are still being used.
0: Julie, thank you for that message. And thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the Join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.